making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, they say that an army marches on its stomach. And that means that you can have the very best soldiers and the very best equipment, but if the soldiers are starving and have no energy, you're going to lose the war. And so to have victory means more than just having men and material. It means having the right resources in the right place at the right time. And so armies have quartermasters general, and they are responsible for procuring the right supplies and the right quantities. And when they do their job well, there's victory. When they do their job poorly, there's defeat. There was a time in the Civil War when one of the sides, I forget which one, was starving and hungry, and the entire army was on the verge of starvation. And finally, the supply trains rolled in, and they were packed with ammunition. That wasn't the right thing at the right time. And so an army needs to provide resources for the battle to be used for the victory, and it also needs to deny the use of resources to the enemy. You don't want food and ammunition falling into the hands of the enemy because they need it as much as you do. Well, our text this morning is in the context of a battle. It is in the context of a battle between light and darkness. And just in the next chapter, chapter 6, the apostle will talk about putting on the armor of God, suiting up, and getting all the equipment of war to go out and to fight with the powers of darkness. That's what the Christian life is. It is a war which is waged from moment to moment. And in that war between light and darkness, we do not fraternize with the enemy. And we certainly don't give resources to the enemy to help the enemy to advance. The Christian does not just live on autopilot, sleep, walking through life without much thought as to what we're doing or who we're doing it for. But what does the scripture say? We read it just before our text. The apostle says, wake up, wake up. And verse 15, look carefully then how you walk. That's what you do in a time of war. You think and you look carefully about what you're doing and why you're doing it and when you're doing it. Because there are two ways to live. There is living in wisdom and there is living in foolishness. Walk in wisdom, to walk in the light is to live in such a way that the overriding question and concern of our hearts is, what is the will of God? What does God want me to do? I don't want me or my resources to serve the advance of the kingdom of darkness. But I want to know how I can use everything I am and everything I have to advance the cause of the king of kings. And if we walk in wisdom, if we seek God's will, then this is the way in which we live, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. The King James has it, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time. Now, Perhaps you saw that title and when, when the liturgy was emailed to you and perhaps 
It incited a little bit of anxiety in your mind or your heart. Redeeming the time, oh boy, that's how we're going to start the year with a, a lecture about how I waste so much time. I'm going to feel guilty after church because I spend so much time scrolling on Facebook. Brothers and sisters, we don't ordain ministers to lecture us. We call ministers to preach the good news, and that's what our text is. It's good news. It's the gospel. This is how we get to live. When we are full of the Spirit, this is something to delight in. This is something to rejoice in. These are exciting opportunities to worship God and to live life to the fullest. In the power of the Spirit, we can redeem the time. We can make the best use of the time. Now, the word time there in our text, we need to spend a little bit of time thinking about that because in Greek, there are a number of words for time. They have the one word chronos, which we have in our language in words like chronology. And chronos deals with time in terms of counting how many seconds and minutes and hours or days and years have elapsed. But the word in our text is a different word. There's the word kairos. And kairos is about not the quantity of time, but the quality of it. It is about the moment. It is about the season. It is about the opportunity. And the scripture tells us to make the best use of the kairos. Make the best use of the moment, the opportunity. Now that, that word behind make the best use of, or the King James translates it, redeem, it is indeed a word that has to do with, with seizing or, or buying up or purchasing. And so we could literally translate it, seize the moment, buy up, grasp all of the opportunities. I'll go back to that war analogy we were using a few moments ago. If, if the army's way away from their, their homeland, they're, they're in a war-torn region, or it's devastated by war, it's hard to forage, it's hard to find food for the troops, and if suddenly the quartermaster finds warehouses with, with flour enough to make bread for 10,000 soldiers, then the quartermaster will buy it or seize it, but he'll make sure that it all goes to serve the army. He will not let it fall into the hands of the enemy, but he will seize it for the king. He will seize it for the war effort. And that's kind of the idea behind our text. That every moment, that every opportunity, that every season, we must take hold of and claim and put in service to the King of Kings. That is our glorious duty, that is our glorious privilege. That means that every opportunity, every moment is seen in the light of eternity. 
That means the Christian lives thinking, I will not let this opportunity slip through my fingers. I will not let this resource be wasted. I will not let this resource be used by the kingdom of darkness. How can I use this Kairos moment? How can I use this opportunity to worship God, to seek God, to serve God, to advance the cause of the kingdom of God? And so, The text calls us to seize opportunities, to seize the moment, to live life deliberately, intentionally, with a defined goal and focus. That's what Christians do. Why? Because the days are evil. That's why. You see, the worse the situation, the more urgent the situation, the more important it is to be focused and to be wise. And to be deliberate about what you do and when you do it. If you're on a ship and the ship is sinking and you know that in a few hours the ship's going to be underwater and you know that the nearest rescue ship is maybe 12 hours or 8 hours away, then that situation, that evil, that catastrophe is going to affect the way you make your decisions. You're not going to go to the ship's cinema and watch a movie. That would be foolish. You're not going to go to the bar and start drinking. That's what fools would do. The situation is bad. The days are evil. So you focus, you're intentional, you're deliberate, you don't waste a moment, you marshal every resource, you take every second that you have to save as much life as possible. You start with your family, you find a seaworthy lifeboat, And then you focus on getting as many people as possible onto the lifeboats. That's what's happening in this world. That's an analogy, a parable for this world. The world is breaking up. The world is going down as it is, the fallen world. It is rushing towards judgment. And the church is a lifeboat. The foolish sinner is pirating away in the bar. Living it up, mocking us. Look at those stupid Christians sitting in the lifeboat with their life jackets on. Well, I'm having fun. And the ship is listing over. And the water is up to their knees. But they keep on drinking. They keep on partying. Now, that's what the world does. But that's what many worldly Christians do, too. You know, you can know Scripture by heart. You can know the catechism by heart. And yet, you can live comfortably in sin. You can... That's like knowing all about the ship sinking and knowing that the lifeboat is the only way to be saved and still standing there in the bar with the water approaching your neck, drowning with all the other foolish passengers. Not enough to know about the gospel. It needs to change your life. And so God gives us a new year. God gives us 2022. Now this may be a long or a short year. For some of us, it may be a short year. James chapter 4, verse 14 says, You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Psalm 90, verse 12, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. The Christian lives understanding that at any moment we are just a heartbeat away from eternity. So this year might be a a long or a short year for us. It might be a long or a short year for the world. 
Because the Lord Jesus says, surely I am coming soon. And perhaps it will be in this year. We don't know when our time has come. We do not know when the last day is ordained to happen, when we are to be taken up to Christ from this life, or when Christ returns to be with us on this earth. It might be today. It might be this year. But it's coming. And so Christians live with a sense of urgency. If you walk in the army and you're walking around the base, the officers don't let you dawdle. The non-commissioned officers will yell at you if you're just kind of dawdling around. They say, move with a sense of purpose. Move with a sense of urgency. That's what you do when you're part of an army. And that's what Christians do. We, we live with a sense of urgency. We invest wisely in every opportunity to gain eternal returns. So what are these kairos moments or these opportunities that we need to seize? Well, some of us may think, well, I need to get up and, and I need to go into the depth of the jungle and I need to bring the gospel to lost tribes. Maybe, maybe that's God's call for you. Some are called to that, but not everyone. But look at the context of our text. Look at verse 18 first. Verse 18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. You see, there are two ways to live. There's the way of foolishness, there's the way of wisdom, there's the way of darkness, there's the way of light. Now, the way of darkness is to grasp every Kairos moment, every opportunity for yourself, for your self-aggrandizement, to, to build yourself up, to seek the fleeting pleasures of sin, to build your kingdom, your power, and your glory, to worship yourself, your feelings, your needs, to align yourself with a world condemned to eternal destruction under God's righteous wrath, to seek your pleasure. That's the way of foolishness. But the Bible teaches another way. And that way is to seek the Lord while he may be found. Not to seek ourselves. To be filled not with the lust of the flesh, but with the power of the Spirit. And a Spirit-filled life seizes every opportunity to seek his glory, to seek his will, to serve him, and to worship him. Now, what does that look like? Well, look what comes shortly after our text, if you have your Bible open there in Ephesians chapter 5. Shortly after our text, the apostle says, being filled with the Spirit, singing, giving thanksgiving all the time to God, and submitting to one another, we could translate, taking your proper place out of reverence for Christ. And then there's a list of things that are just part of daily life. There's Wives and husbands, there's marriage. There's parents and children, there's family. There's masters and slaves or employers and employees, that's daily work. Marriage, children, daily work, the basic things of life. The apostle describes to the church that these are the kairos moments, the kairos opportunities that we have to live for the Lord. Now, if you go to Colossians 
uh, chapter, chapter 4. Just take a quick look there at Colossians 4. Then verse 5, and you'll see that our text is kind of reflected here in Colossians 4 verse 5. It's on page 985 in your pew Bible. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. That's the same as our text, making the best use of the time, redeeming the time. Now, Paul says that in Colossians 4 verse 5, scan backwards from that text into chapter 3. What has Paul just talked about? Well, look at verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, do not provoke your children. Bond servants, obey your masters. It's exactly the same context, isn't it, as we have in Ephesians chapter 5. Walking in wisdom... Redeeming the time has everything to do with the very basic activities of life, of human life. It's the stuff that is described in Psalm 128. This is the blessed life. This is the life of seizing kairos moments. This is the life of living for God. What does it look like? Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. So what does it mean to redeem the time? It means get married. It means love your wife. Love your husband. Have children. Love your children. Bring them up in the fear of the Lord. Honor your parents. Work hard. Work faithfully. Treat your employer and your employees honestly and fairly. That, those simple things of daily life, that's how we seize the kairos moments. That is how we wage war with the cosmic powers over this present darkness. That is how we live in the Lord. That is how we live to the Lord. We live humbly. We live faithfully. We pray unceasingly. We give thanks in all circumstances. We do all things without grumbling or disputing, that we may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom we shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life. The greatest impact a Christian can make on this world is not through massive programs or monumental projects and great adventures. The greatest impact a Christian can make in this world is by living a faithful, deliberate, intentional, humble, godly, Christ-like life dedicated to the worship of God, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. That kind of a life has eternal consequences because it is through this kind of a life that God raises up children and grandchildren to grow the church from generation to generation. And they see in their parents and their grandparents that love for Christ, that commitment to Christ, and they embrace it and they imitate it. And it is through this kind of just regular, ordinary, holy, daily living that God draws sinners out of the darkness to the light. 
that by our godly walk of life we may win our neighbors for Christ. You see, the, the more evil the days, the worse the darkness, the greater the opportunity to make a greater impact. And has God not given us a massive Kairos moment right now with the world anxious, afraid, confused, angry, and despairing? We have a remarkable opportunity to simply live the gospel, to live in the joy of faith, to live in holiness, to let the light of the gospel shine, to witness to the world the love and the joy and the peace of Christ just by being who we are, just by doing faithfully the work of our daily office. So look carefully then how you walk, says the apostle in verse 15. And the word carefully there means exactly and carefully and accurately and diligently like a, someone building a spacecraft who carefully follows all of the measurements and all of the, all of the plans. God does not call us to mindlessly run on the hamster wheel of life, trying desperately to find meaning and to get ahead, according to the world's definition of getting ahead, trying desperately to survive by meeting our animal needs and passions, striking out in blind fear and rage when, when they can't get what they want. That's how the ungodly live. But Christians live intentionally. Christians live carefully. Christians steward their resources, their time, and their talents. Christians understand that every thought, word, and act, every decision either furthers the cause of the kingdom of darkness or furthers the cause of the kingdom of light. And the greatest concern of the Christian is that everything we are and everything we do is focused on the glory of God and focused on the advance of his kingdom. And so he calls us to redeem the time. Don't waste your life, Christian. Don't fritter it away with inanities. Seize the kairos moments, the most simple act, the most humble duty. Redeem it. Take hold of it in the name of God. Dedicate it as an act of worship. Kiss your wife. Hug your grandchildren. Cook the supper. Wash the dishes, fold the clothes, drive to work, speak with your co-workers, do your duties, keep your word, do a hard day's work, enjoy restful holidays, spend your money, save your money, invest your money, rejoice in health and in wealth, rejoice in every kind of affliction, and do it all intentionally. Do it all with a psalm on your lips and praise in your heart and do it all in the light of eternity. Do it all for his glory. When we redeem the time, we hallow his name. When we redeem the time, the, his kingdom comes. When we redeem the time, his will is done. That's what God calls us to. And we ought not to delay in our obedience. Psalm 119, 60, I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. There is a sense of urgency in the army of God. 
1 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2, Walking together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. There can be no delay in hearing the gospel and obeying it. Because the time is running out. The time is short. Time is of the essence. Revelation chapter chapter 10 verse 5 speaks of the angel standing on the sea and on the land. He raises his right hand to heaven. And he swears by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, the sea and what is in it, that there would be no more delay. Literally, that there would be no more time. There will be no more chronos. The number of minutes, days, and years is going to come to an end. The days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God will be fulfilled. That day is rushing towards us, brothers and sisters. And if you listening to the sermon online or if you here in the building, if you're living for the moment, if you're living for yourself, if you're living in the darkness, if you're living in your sin, then God calls you to stop and to turn and to repent and to believe. And that goes for people that don't know the Lord Jesus who are outside of Christ and outside of the church. And that goes for people who carry the name of the Lord Jesus and are in the church. God calls us to turn, to repent, and to believe. You were made to worship. Your body, your soul, your mind was made to worship. Your very breath is a gift of God from moment to moment. Will you use your time and your resources for your own sinful ends, for your own pleasure and glory? If that's the way you live, the wrath of God will come upon you unless you turn to Christ in repentance and faith. Don't delay. Do it now because the time is short. But for those in Christ, how breathtakingly exciting. When the chronos runs out, all that will be left is one eternal, never-ending kairos moment, the most glorious, the most perfect, the most sinless, the most indescribably beautiful kairos moment for all eternity. Every fiber of our being, every thought, every word, every action will be a perfect act of most pure worship. That's what we're headed for. And that's what we're practicing for right now as we redeem the time. And that is the certain hope that we have in the darkness of this world. That is the hope that spurs us on even as all the afflictions of this broken world press upon us. Even as our bodies break down with age and disease, we press on. We redeem the time. We prepare for glory. We're going to sing this in a few moments. I know in whom my hope is founded. Through ever changing day and night, Thou hast me with thy love surrounded. Thou art my rock. I trust thy might. When once life's evening veils and shroud me, I'll bring the worn by ills and strife. For every day thou hast allowed me thee higher praise, O God of life. Amen.